This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zuma Radio, AM 740. Welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. Come on in, hang your cloak on a peg-weary traveler, grab a stool, and come warm yourself by the fire. There are stories to be told, and you are among friends. Uh, Dr. Lana Marconi and two of the principals, uh, Diane Brisbois and Stanley Mallow, uh, who are featured in our new documentary film, New Human, New Earth, New Humanity. They're all standing by this hour uh, to discuss uh, the coming paradigm shift and um, the new consciousness, unity consciousness that is coming our way, according to uh, uh, Lana's film. Uh, we'll get to that conversation in just a few moments. Uh, Jamie is here twisting the dials and the knobs on the other side of the glass. Uh, Elbert is here running our HOA, our Hangout on Air. And if you want to partake and uh, stream this radio program live on YouTube, just go to my Twitter feed, at Richard Serrett. Go to the top or near the top of the feed, find the tweet containing the HOA link, click on it, and presto, abracadabra, you are in. I had a great time uh, moderating the Canadian National Inquiry into UFOs at the Alien Cosmic Expo in my hometown of Brantford on uh, Saturday. Great panel of speakers. I mean, the creme de la creme. Uh, Travis Walton, Richard Dolan, Grant Cameron, the Honorable Paul Hellyer, Nick Pope, and uh, Stephen Bassett. And then, uh, on the other side of the the platform, we had this tremendous uh, panel of journalists and academics, uh, which included a Ph.D. candidate from Trent University, um, a... um, a journalist from Turtle Island News, uh, Linda Paulus, uh, Tara McIsaac from the Epoch Times, and uh, Frank Cavallaro, CBC Montreal, and uh, Justin Trotche, a, uh, who hosts a, a popular podcast, and he was a former member of uh, the Center for Skeptical Inquiry. Anyway, they were asking just really uh, nuanced, probing questions, and demonstrated a great sophistication, uh, uh, a sophisticated knowledge of the topic, and did a just a stellar job. Uh, anyway, uh, a great job also to Victor Vigiani and Bob Mitchell and Joanne Eady for pulling that together. That was the uh, 
the uh, Canadian National Inquiry into UFOs at the Alien Cosmic Expo. Uh, just a reminder, uh, season four of my television program, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett, debuts Monday, Monday, 9 p.m. Eastern on Vision TV. Uh, seasons one, two, and three, of course, available in the United States on Hulu. Uh, next week on the program, uh, David Yurth. David Yurth from the Nova Institute of Technology will be here with an update on his CO2 device. I had David on the show. Oh, I don't know now. What is it, Albert? Maybe six months ago. And uh, this carbon dioxide device, which can be retrofitted to any vehicle, any internal combustion engine, any fossil fuel burning device, including a coal-fired plant, for example, and will eliminate, will disassociate the carbon uh, and, uh, and oxygen molecules and a number of uh, sort of the noxious fumes. We'll get rid of them, which means we could burn fossil fuels with impunity. We could burn coal with impunity. We don't need a Paris Accord. We can bring a much-needed industrial revolution uh, to places like Africa, which have been denied this. So uh, David will be along because he has new technology um, that he's going to tell us about. And uh, this can remediate nuclear, the radioactive nuclear fuel waste. We could clean up Fukushima, Chernobyl, etc., and uh, so David Yurth will be along with all of that exciting news. And then uh, next week we'll have a special look at the strange life and mysterious death of Jim Morrison, the Lizard King, a frontman of the legendary rock band The Doors. And that's with rock historian R. Gary Patterson. That's next week on the program. Uh, incidentally, I'll be presenting an exclusive live event with Gary Patterson in Toronto this fall in October. Uh, called Take a Walk on the Dark Side, Rock and Roll Myths, Legends, and Curses. Uh, just keep checking the live events page at strangeplanet.ca uh, for more details on that. And then also this fall in September, September the 11th, the anniversary of 9-11, another live event, Where Did the Towers Go? Uh, with Dr. Judy Wood. And these are both Strange Planet Productions and Conspiracy Culture presentations. All right, here is a, a brief description of a new documentary film from our good friend, Dr. Lana Marconi. Humans are going through an awakening process. As a result, reality on Earth is shifting from separation to unity consciousness. Separation within each human and between humans has been a source of humanity's suffering and the destruction of planet Earth. What can humans expect to experience during this intense shift as old structures fall away and a new paradigm emerges. Moreover, what is this new reality? In this, the third consciousness-raising documentary by filmmaker Lana Marconi, Ph.D., 14 experts describe what it will take for humanity to collectively thrive and what the new species and planet will be like, which includes community with advanced, intelligent, benevolent life forms, among other profound changes. Lana Marconi is an independent documentary filmmaker, and her three feature films are called The Wellness Story, The Resonance, and, as I mentioned, her new one, New Human, New Earth, New Humanity. And all of these films can be watched on Vimeo Movies On Demand. We'll give you a link a little bit later. In fact, I think we've posted one 
uh, to the website. Just go to strangeplanet.ca and click on the radio page. Uh, Lana has written, produced, and hosted over 50 healthy living television shows on Rogers TV here in Canada, as well as in ind- as independent interviews. She's authored several books on healthy living that have been featured in bookstores such as Chapters and Indigo. And she's been a published writer in Canada's Vitality magazine and Energy Works magazine. One of her inspiring stories was published in the Wake Up and Live the Life You Love book series uh, that included authors such as Deepak Chopra and Dr. Wayne Dyer and became a Barnes & Noble bestseller. Lana Marconi, welcome back to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? Hey, Richard. How are you? I'm fantastic. Thanks for having me back. Wonderful. And you have brought someone along with you. First of all, uh, in the at the bottom of the hour... Yeah. You're going to stay with us for the full hour. In the bottom of the hour, uh, Stanley Mallow, who is also featured in the film, will be with us. Uh, but right now, we have uh, Diane Brisebois. Uh, Diane uh, became a Raelian in 1977. After reading Rael's book, she became involved in the Raelian movement and became a spiritual guide or priestess in the Raelian philosophy. She's dedicated her life to bringing peace and love to humanity. She's been teaching meditation and supporting Rael in his mission. Her dream is to welcome the Elohim in the embassy that Raelians will build for them. Diane, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? Very good. Thank you very much, Richard. And uh, good evening, Lana. Oh, good evening to you too, Diane. Thanks for being here. Happy to be here. All right, so Lana, uh, the yeah. um, now this your documentary debuted in Long Beach, California, earlier this month. Why Long Beach, incidentally? Um, well, Los Angeles is the capital of uh, getting messages out to the world, and this was an important important message uh, to bring in the new energies of the new human. All right, uh, it certainly is. So you picked a great spot for it. Now, uh, what is precipitating this awakening process that you say humanity is undergoing? Does it have anything to do with, um, you know, the Earth moving um, through space into, you know, into? A, does it have anything to do with the um, the the, the electromagnetivity around the Earth? What, what, what's going on here? Why are we moving into a new consciousness? <laughs> Well, I, I think some of us are and some of us um, aren't, and some of us are in a transition, and that's pretty much what my research in doing these documentaries is showing. But just to give a little bit of a backstory, um, in terms of this documentary, you know, I have to say, I feel like I'm on this adventure with all these documentaries, and each one is evolving out of the prior one. So, um, you know, my last film was A Resonance, which um, was about extraterrestrials and UFOs. And um, I want to bring up something that Stan Friedman actually said in that film, because I found it really important, which is a catalyst to this new film. And he said, are we ready for alien contact? And I'm quoting this. He says, I don't think so. We can't even get along with each other. The notion of trying to get along with aliens is on another level of difficulty. I think we're going through the stage where we are changing our perspective of where we fit in the universe. From an alien viewpoint, I think it's pretty clear we are an alien society whose primal activity is tribal warfare. We don't know how to get along with each other, never mind getting along with aliens. The military budget on this planet will be a trillion dollars. Lots of kids starving every day, but we're spending a trillion dollars on things military. Now, Michael Horn in that film said, we have to understand that human beings on Earth are not capable of, we're not in a position of, in many ways, to deal with far more advanced human beings than us, who we couldn't be in the presence of because the vibrational frequencies are too dissonant. They care a lot to help. 
Now, also, there was a few people in that film we got glimpses of. They were developing their consciousness and were able to resonate with beings of a higher frequency. So all of that together, you know, spurred in me this notion that it's going to take a new human in order to uh, accept, embrace, and even nurture uh, an incoming physical ET culture. And so as a documentary filmmaker, I was like, who is this new human? What are their characteristics? How do they live day to day? And I put that intention out there to the universe. And I'm basically, it was like a soul call, like, show me the people who are going to represent the new human. Now, having said that, this film is just a launching pad to bring in the energies of the new human. Like, it, the new human conversation doesn't end with this film, but really it's just to open up the dialogue that there is a new species of humans. And it's going to take this new species of humans to lead us. To where we need to go. And are these new humans, are they, uh, we often hear the term indigo children. Um, uh, does that play into this at all, the indigo children? They could be. That actually didn't come up a lot in this film, but that's funny you mention that because that's the next film that's in development, and that's, like, I'm working on the star children, and that's what came out of this film, The New Humans. So let me just put that out there. People would like to, um, I'm actually just starting a film film uh, funding campaign for that, so if people want to go to my website and actually uh, co-create that film with me, they're more than welcome to put a donation out there at drlana.com. So I can get back to you on that question after I finish the fourth documentary. All right, let's welcome uh, Diane Brisebois to the uh, to the program once again. And Diane, um, explain for those not in the know about the Raelian movement. Um, what does that all entail? Well, uh, the Raelian movement uh, was started in um, 1973 after Rael had an encounter with an extraterrestrial. He was, uh, at the time, he was living in central France, and uh, one morning as he was driving to work, he had this incredible urge to go to this volcano park where he used to have family picnic, um, you know, on weekends. And uh, that day he was driving, going to work, and he felt this urge to go to this volcano park where he stood there, looked at the, you know, the volcano park, and then he felt, uh, I, I don't know why I'm here. I should go. I should be going to work. And then all of a sudden he saw a bright flashing light in the sky that got closer and closer to him, and finally it came to immobilize itself from the ground, um, about six foot from the ground, and a ladder came out, and a being came out, and came walking straight towards him. All right, Diane, I'm going to, sorry, I apologize, I'm going to have to yep. jump in here, we're going to take a quick time out, we'll come back and uh, get you to uh, flesh out uh, the Raelian movement again, and uh, Lana Marconi is with us as well, talking about her new documentary film, more on The Conspiracy Show, stay with us. We are definitely in a shift of consciousness. This UFO appeared in the sky, a bright flashing light, and then it came down, immobilized itself. There's a small ladder that came out, and a being came out. All the hairs on the back of my neck went up. They very, very seriously said, evolve or become extinct. They are not made to kill, they are made to love. Love creates life. Hate doesn't. Hate kills. The truth will come out about our origins. What are we? What does soul-based living look like? The patriarchal system is falling and failing. 
the new world is really coming from our divine wisdom. The new human is empowered. The new human understands the mind, body, spiritual relationship. We all can step into this. Begin to realize the true power of what it means to be human. You can unleash this power, but is it wise to do so? You have no idea what you're asking for. All right, welcome back to The Conspiracy Show. And that is a, um, th- that's the trailer from uh, Dr. Lana Marconi's new documentary film, New Human, New Earth, New Humanity. And she joins us along with uh, one of the principals featured in the, uh, the film, Diane Brisebois, who is a Aurelian, uh, who became uh, involved in the Aurelian movement, uh, became a spiritual guide in uh, 1977. And um, all right, so, uh, Diane, I'm sorry we sort of cut you short there. We ran up uh, against the break. But uh, let me just uh, cut to the, to the chase here. For, for those. Would it be fair to call the Aurelian movement a UFO religion? Well, um, not so much about UFO, but uh, we are a religion. Uh, but we are an atheist religion because we do not believe in God. We believe that we have been created by people just like humans, like we are on Earth, that had reached a very high scientific knowledge and decided to go create life on another planet. The same way that one day when we have enough and we have sufficient knowledge and enough wisdom as well, so we do not self-destroy. <laughs> Uh, we will go search for a planet where uh, we will create life on another planet. So um, this is what happened, is that many thousand years ago, they came to planet Earth, and at the time, there was, no, there was nothing. There was only the, the planet was covered with water, and they created the continent, and then they built laboratories. There were seven races that were created, and uh, they, they were artists and scientists working together hand in hand and created everything that we know today on our planet, all forms of life. They started with uh, simple organisms and went into more complex organisms until one day their passion for their work, um, they decided to create uh, a human being in their image and their likeness. So we look exactly like them. And uh, actually, their genetic code is compatible with ours. And that's how you find also in, in, in the scriptures, you find that when the, da- the, when the man, the, sorry, when the daughters of man, when they discovered that the daughters of man were beautiful and fair, they took them as their wives. And the men that were born were men of renown, like Samson you know, who was the son of one Elohim right. and the daughter right. of man. Yeah. All right. Now, um, Lana, your, why did you um, include uh, this sort of narrative in the film? Do you, do you subscribe to the Raelian philosophy? So, <clears throat> um, well, the vision of the film really is to inspire change away from the old paradigm that's filled with, like, violence, we uh, greed, war, suppression of our individual authenticity and creativity, and towards really embracing like a new mindset, Richard, of what it really means to be human. So the film, when you watch it, it's actually broken down to like three areas. Like the first part of the film shows the old paradigm of separation with 
war and violence and um, and greed. And then, you know, the last segment of the film shows the self-proclaimed new humans and what what life looks like through their eyes. And and so there's many of them, and they talk about health, wealth, uh, extraterrestrials, energy. Um, things like that, and then in the middle of the film, it's it's a bridge. It shows the transition and and what people can do and what the transition looks like between the old human and the new human. And so for me, you know, as a documentary filmmaker, I I believe my films I make them for the people. And I think my background in psychology, my years of actually sitting in a room listening to people. I, I developed a really good listening skill, and, and I'm able to hold that space for people to tell their stories. And so I try to, as best as I can, suspend my own judgment when someone is telling me their story. And I see my films really as a platform to host other voices, and that's what I try to strive towards as a filmmaker. Okay, so um, th- the idea here is, if I'm understanding it, that we uh, we need to... Uh, advance our collective consciousness if we are, in fact, uh, going to be able uh, to meet our, our makers, literally. If, if, for example, humans are uh, a scientifically created species, we were created uh, by extraterrestrials, a race of extraterrestrials. It may be Raelians, it may be the Palladians, um, or someone else. But, but if, we're, if we're going to sort of join this galactic community, we all need to raise our consciousness so that, that we will be welcome in this galactic community. Is that the idea? That's my sense of it. I, Diana, I don't know what your sense is. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, we are right now on our planet, we're starting to accept the differences that exist on this planet. We're just barely starting to accept, you know, a gaze. Uh, we're, we're starting to accept more, you know, the, like we're, in Toronto here, we, we're living more with multicultural, so we become more open to the different cultures. And that is a great thing because it's opening our mind also to other things that maybe one day we will, we will have to, to meet when we meet other life from other planets. Because obviously, to me, it's impossible that we are alone in the universe. And, you know, uh, yeah, sorry to cut you off. What's really interesting in the film is, um, like, uh, I have an award-winning director, Emmanuel Etier, and he works with Sharon Stone, and he's an, a phenomenal individual, and he created a film called Femme, and it's about women healing the world. And, um, you know, he, he's funny. He jokes around. He says, you know, I thought I was a macho idiot at one time, you know, just take and conquer, you know, like the, the, the male energy attitude on the negative side. And then I have a psychologist in the film who's about bringing in the feminine energy. And actually, Emmanuel, is, all his films are about bringing in the feminine energy now because he's realized and what psychologists have said all along is that unity consciousness within a person is the integration of the masculine and the feminine energies within. And um, so we get a glimpse of that in the film as well. It's like, what does it take to develop? And one of the other speakers in the film actually gives us a whole map of consciousness and shows us the roadmap of how we are developing as a society and where we need to go and, and what it takes um, to develop as far as we can, because, you know, in one sense, and I've had conversations with many of these people off, 
off the record. And, you know, some of them have to say that the reason why we don't have full disclosure right now is actually to protect us from ourselves. And when I thought about that, I I was like, wow, that actually makes sense. Like at first I was resistant to that. And I was like, nope, that actually makes sense. And the reason is because we're so, well, many people are very underdeveloped that if they saw a physical extraterrestrial one, they could take a military approach and actually shoot them down. Or two, they would revere them so much as a god. Right. So we need to develop. And it's so interesting. Like my background is, you know, psychology and developmental psychology. And I see how important it is for individuals to develop consciously in order to integrate, um, integrate the extraterrestrials into our, into our experience, not just extraterrestrials, just to integrate with, with diversity on this planet without people, you know, people just need to get along with each other first. Right. Yeah, and, you know, and the Elohim also understand that. And the first time when they appeared to Rael, they were using a psychological approach. So he would, you know, he would be okay meeting with them, like with the flashing lights and with the object. But they don't need this technology to come and visit us. They can appear right beside us. But it would be very difficult uh, mentally for us to accept that they can travel that way. So they use methods that are acceptable in our psyche, uh, you know, using a UFO and the lights that we expect that there would be. So, yeah, but well, one of the things, uh, a couple of things. One, Lana, you mentioned that the idea of, uh, that I find problematic is that, that men need to become more feminine. Uh, I mean, I, you know, the idea that, I mean, I believe, you know, in in, in Gender. I believe you know that men and women are are there are some very fundamental um, biological differences. I mean, I don't believe uh, you know that um, that we can ignore those. And but the idea that you know um, men need to become more like women if we're all going to get along. If you look at more loving, more, more well, but yeah, but the, what the problem with that is is and this is a pervasive idea in society that has led to some fundamental problems, and that is that the idea that. Uh, and, and and you find this in the court system even that, that that women are somehow morally superior to men that that women are more spiritual than men and that's not true I don't agree with that well think- R- Richard what I'm trying to get at and that's a good point that you raised I, I give you credit for that what I'm trying to get at though is the whole idea of the Tao okay which is the Tao in Taoism is about the yin and the yang coming together so you can like let's say you know the male energy is yin and the female energy is yang and when you're acting separately as just yin you're not aware of your full potential that you're actually you could be more than who you are if you were to integrate yang into your yin energy and so from that perspective when a yin person integrates their yang or vice versa then you become whole and integrated. And that's really what psychology is all about. Call it masculine energy, feminine energy. Actually, women are born, many women are born with more masculine energy than they are feminine energy. And their goal in life is to actually integrate the opposite energy. All right, all right. Yeah. Uh, Point taken. (laughs) But I I guess I get, as a male, I get a little, not defensive, but I I always take umbrage with the idea, you know, that the problem with the world is men need to stop behaving, you know, that men are aggressive and men are the warriors and and, uh, we need to start acting more like women. And I just, I I say, oh, put on the brakes. Yeah, no, 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 it's not, it's not. 
I'm not, it's not the focus on the actual gender. It's more of an energy that's inside the person. Right, right. That's what it is. It's interesting, though, that you look at the, the, the I don't want to get into the politics, but the, yeah. the, the rise of uh, Trump. And I'm, I'm, what I'm perceiving in, in terms of trend, and, and this also falls into the, uh, the recent vote in England, uh, the, the Brexit. The trends now, I believe at least for the next 10 years, are going to be, in terms of political leaders, the reemergence of the alpha male, number one. Number two, the rise of nationalism once again. Uh, because I think you're going to start to see the dissolution of the, of the European Union, and it's going to not happen as quickly as the Berlin Wall. But now that England is going, Holland, Denmark, um, uh, perhaps uh, Finland, they won't be too far behind. They all are angling to get out. How does that play into those trends that I see happening? Yeah, that's an awesome question. And Tom Clearwater answers that question amazingly in the film because he talks about scalar humanity and what how he would answer that, I, I would think, because I've talked to him so many times, is he would say something to the effect of all that contrast is needed for a final rendering into coherence, a.k.a. unity consciousness. Actually, I think that's exactly what he says in the film. And so he talks about the idea that our goal, again, is to integrate our polar opposites, feminine, masculine, light or dark, whatever you want to call it. It's nothing to do with gender. It's about energy within a person. And so once we integrate all these separate parts of ourselves, what happens within us is that we activate zero-point energy within us. We are the scalar technology. And when that happens, not only do we suddenly activate unity consciousness, but now we tap into the energy that creates worlds. And that's where all the magic and miracles happen, in that place of, of consciousness development. All right. That's um, what I'm talking about, getting to that level of our highest potential. So all this contrast you see is pushing us towards that place, even though it doesn't appear like it is. Interesting. All right. Uh, we're going to say goodbye to uh, Diane Brisebois. Diane, thank you for joining us. Yes, you're welcome. And uh, anyone uh, would like to have more information, you can download the book for free on the www.rial.org uh, website. All right. Thank you, Diane. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye-bye. When uh, we come back, uh, Lana Marconi stays with us, and then we'll be joined by another principal from the documentary, Stanley Mallow, at the bottom of the hour. Well, we're there at the bottom of the hour when we return after this break. The Conspiracy Show, my name is Richard Serrett. Don't go away. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett from Zoomer Radio. Hey, just a reminder, at the top of the hour, open lines. So get your comments, questions ready. Anything of a paranormal, conspiratorial, uh, geopolitical subterfuge, all that stuff we'll discuss uh, coming up at the top of the hour. Right now, uh, Lana Marconi uh, stays with us, independent documentary filmmaker, and her brand new documentary, uh, New Human, New Earth, New Humanity, uh, is now available. And um, we're also joined on the line by another principal in the documentary. Stan Mallow has had a long, lifelong interest in and an extensive background in the field of the paranormal. For the past six years, he's been the host of the popular Paranormal Show on TV Kojiko in Niagara Falls. Along with his partner, he's been organizing Canada's biggest psychic fairs and expositions for over 25 years. In addition, they do spirit photography as well as aura photography. Stan has
has also one of the world's largest private collections of paranormal artifacts and curiosities. He's a highly respected psychic consultant and ghost hunter. He's been the featured guest on a number of radio and TV shows and has been written about in countless publications, having been fortunate enough to work, uh, have worked on the uh, public relations of A-list celebrities from Broadway and Hollywood, as well as Tony Award-winning shows. Stan has made many show business friends over the years, friends who uh, actively seek out his advice relating to their career and personal life. Stan Mallow, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. Hi, Richard. Welcome. Uh, it's good to be welcomed. Thank you. My pleasure. Um, now, Stan, just to uh, give us a, a sense of your participation, uh, the nature of your participation in this film, uh, as someone who, uh, a sort of a lifelong student uh, of the paranormal, uh, where do you fit into the, uh, into the proceedings here, new human, new earth, new humanity? Okay, good question, and happily, Lana Marconi is a wonderful filmmaker, and I was just answering all the questions that she was asking me during the interview. My take might be a little bit different than other people, but that's how it should be. To me, the new human is not that we're going to become uh, aliens or something like that, but we we're going to progress. There's going to be evolution, and we're just going to go forward. The new Earth is going to be respect for Mother Earth, how we look at it in humanity, how we look at each other. Uh, I do not believe, as some people do, that there's going to be Armageddon and the end of the world. My fear is enough people say it, power of suggestion, self-filling prophecy, it could come. But things are brewing, things are there, and things are happening, and there definitely will be changes. And what is, uh, what is, I asked uh, uh, Lana this earlier, what is your take on what is going to precipitate this uh, elevation in human consciousness. Does it have anything to do with, uh, you know, a lot of people are, are, are noticing more paranormal activity, as if there's perhaps a thinning of the veil between this world and the next, whatever that means. Uh, and that may, may have something to do with, uh, you know, the, the Earth's electromagnetivity, uh, like the Gauss rate and so forth. What is your take on that? Okay, well, definitely something is happening because one of the things I do, which you had mentioned, is aura photography and we're taking photos of a lot of little kids who they're calling you know crystal children children of the future a lot of these kids they're going to be the ones who are going to be our leaders in it there is definitely something there there's more awareness of what's going on uh people are looking into different things and questioning things that they never questioned before and realizing whoa there's a whole load of possibilities out there of what could happen and just open and receptive uh, to it, and what's going to do the nail that hits it on the head over there is just going to be that people are going to say, enough of this silliness that's going on in the world, and it's almost going to be like collective, like, you know, why are we killing each other? Why why do we hate each other? Why all these things? And the new human, the humanity is going to be, hey, it's enough, but the next generation is going to be the one that's really going to implement it. Uh, Lana, in, in, maybe this is evidence for what you're talking about in the film, um, or I don't know. Let me just throw it out there. Mm -hmm. in, you know, despite the headlines, the world actually is far less violent than it has ever been. Uh, we have, you know, more potable water. More people now have access to clean water than ever before. Uh, you know, the... the, um, uh, the um, length of life and the quality of life is 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 improving for the, for for billions of people. Now, mind you, that doesn't mean that we're there yet. We've arrived and we've solved all the problems. But mm -hmm. despite all the doom and gloom, mm -hmm. 
Life is actually getting better for the vast majority of humans on this planet. Now, is that evidence for what you're talking about? Or uh, just let me know how you feel about that. <laughs> well, I love those statistics, Richard. Yes, I would, I would imagine that would be so. And, and I'm sure, as you know, I mean, the media just sensationalizes all the trauma and war and, and everything that has to do with fear. So it really doesn't showcase anything that's good or positive as much as it does showcase and feature things that are, you know, extremely violent or negative. But, but my point, I guess, is maybe that, you know, as humans, never yeah. mind some sort of, you know, an alien intervention or what have you, mm-hmm. we're, we're starting to get things together here all on our own. That's wonderful. That's what we need to do. And you're right, regardless of ETs or not, it's just having that unity consciousness sets, it, sets us up for that next level of our own evolution. Right, right. Yeah. Well, um, because Stan talks about sort of the paranormal, and I'm wondering, uh, Rosemary Ellen Guiley is a regular on, on the program, a longtime paranormal investigator. And again, she talks about the increase in paranormal paranormal activity and she sort of foresees a time when we won't even be able to you know recognize reality in a few years because again maybe it's this thinning of this veil between this world and and others but you know the inhabitants of other dimensions and so forth uh, increasingly will be interacting with our dimension uh, and and so we won't even recognize reality in a few years Uh, Stan or Lana weigh in on that if you will Okay, Alana, can I take that one? I would love for you to take that one, yes. Okay, great. Uh, with it, uh, I believe that's going to be happening, but not necessarily uh, to that degree that we wouldn't recognize uh, one reality from the other reality. Uh, it's my feeling uh, that everything is going to be open and it's accepting of the other. Not that it's going to happen. Something that has really been there all the time. To me, we're just, you know, rediscovering something that's been around, but we're becoming more and more aware of it. I mean, more and more people realize we're not alone, and to think that we're the only ones over here, the only planet, the only solar system, uh, that's definitely to be questioned with that. And as they do that, they're going to open up more. But my personal feeling with that is not is not that we're not going to know what it's going to be. I think we're going to be aware of it, but accepting it. All right, Stan Mallow, Atlanta Marconi, stay with us. We will resume this conversation. Uh, new Human, New Earth, New Humanity is the documentary film. We'll tell you how, to you how you can view that in just a moment. The Conspiracy Show, stay with us. Different views make great conversation. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio. To speak with Richard live, call 416-360-0740 or toll-free at 1-866-740-4740. All right, welcome back. Dr. Lana Marconi is with us, independent documentary filmmaker, and the new film is New Human, New Earth, New Humanity. Uh, Lana, how can uh, people see the film? Oh, thanks for asking. Yeah, if they go on my website, drlana.com, D-R-L-A-N-A.com, and I'd love to gift your viewers with, you know, like 10 free screenings. So the the password is New Humanity uh, if they go to the Vimeo On Demand link. So it's vimeo.com slash on demand slash new human, and then they would enter the code New Humanity. That's very generous of you. Thank you for doing that on behalf of You're my welcome. listeners. All right, so that's Vimeo. 
uh, Movies on Demand, V-I-M-E-O. And if you, you can just go to uh, Dr. Lana's website, and we've linked up to her website on uh, my website as well, strangeplanet.ca. But it's Dr. Lana, D-R-L-A-N-A dot com, D-R-L-A-N-A uh, dot com. Uh, all right. Now, in terms of disclosure, I, I spent uh, part of the weekend at the Alien Cosmic Expo, and I moderated this this panel. And uh, uh, Stephen Bassett, who was one of the uh, the principal speakers, is confident uh, that disclosure is going to happen this year before President Barack Obama leaves office. Um, I'd be interested to know both of your your uh, takes on on that, and whether or not disclosure can happen before. The, the you know the consciousness raising in other words can we get to disclosure before we've achieved this new sort of consciousness Stan yeah okay sure I wasn't you were going to take it of me my pleasure to take that okay what I again my feeling for that is going to be disclosure is going to come first because that's going to set the groundwork uh, for when the other aliens and other peoples come in. If they just did it without a cushion over there, people not, might be afraid or not as accepting of it. So to me, it's going to be done in the degrees. Yes, I do believe it'll be in the next year, two years. It's right around us. But I believe first, it'll be the disclosure. People are going to be aware, oh, wow, this is going on. This has been around for a while. And then, and then uh, they'll be contacting us when, you know, the coast is clear. And Lana, your thoughts? Yeah, I I think disclosure will happen when the majority of the people are ready to receive it. Hmm, that's a political answer, Lana. Where it's very open-ended. I mean, when? I mean, when does that happen? Then? I mean, that could be never. I think we're getting close. We're getting close, but you don't want to put a time frame on it. I think we're getting close. Okay. She's she's being noncommittal here. <laughs> We're getting close. Well, I mean, the, one of the arguments that I mean, this seventy-year um, embargo on on disclosure, mm-hmm. some believe, many believe, has something to do with the fact that the elites have access to alien technology, free energy, and uh, these elites constitute sort of a separate civilization from ours, and they don't want to give that up. What do you think of that, Stan? Okay, first of all, I do believe that uh, things are there that people know about. I know Nikola Tesla, uh, who who came up with the idea uh, where he can manifest free energy. Obviously, there's not a lot of profit in something like that, and even though many of his inventions should be public domain, we all know that they're not public domain, and uh, the people are going to start talking, things are going to be happening, and, and people who are into all of this, it's going to be different. Like, I don't know if you had the good fortune of being there, but I did for the 50th anniversary of the Roswell landing uh, in Roswell, New Mexico. I was there, and it was great. You had tens of thousands of people from all over the world. People did have experiences uh, with intergalactic-type things. Others didn't, but their friends did, or they knew it. And you had tens of thousands of people fascinated, like myself, want to learn what's going on there. And you had maybe a dozen types of kids dressed like a, you know, a Star Trek uh, type convention, the media went into that, and they showed them, and everyone was made to be a fool, uh, and when you got the newspapers, one newspaper picks up, they all do, you know, these guys, you know, having fun with that, but the thing is, 
media, you know, different people, you can manipulate things any way that you want. Yeah, they had about a dozen people there, but they had tens of thousands of people that weren't dressed like that. What's happening now, people are seeing the truth themselves, you know, and they're deciding things themselves, and uh, I think that's going to be great. Now, um, Hillary Clinton uh, has been, interestingly, uh, kind of putting herself out there during this campaign, uh, talking about, and a lot of this obviously has to do with her campaign director, John Podesta, uh, that she, uh, you know, she's going to reinvestigate the UFO files, and if there's anything in there, she's going to release them, despite the fact that Bill Clinton, uh, her, you know, former president, said he did investigate and there was nothing to disclose. Uh, and Hillary even went further, I think it was on Jimmy Kimmel, when she said, they may already even be here. What do you make of that statement, Lana? Can you say that again? Sorry. Well, Hillary Clinton on on I think it was on Jimmy Kimmel's show mm-hmm. when she said, you know, she wants to investigate the UFO files. If there's anything, she's going to she is going to disclose. And then she said something very interesting. She referring to aliens. She said they may already be here. Now, is she just, you know, is she just pandering to get votes, or do you think? I mean, what do you make of that statement? Well, I'm not going to speak for Hillary Clinton, but I will say. Um, I will actually get to say this. You can't change things by fighting the existing reality. To change something, you actually want to build a new model that makes the existing model obsolete. Now, having said that, each person needs to create the world that they want to create. And if that includes extraterrestrials, then they need to go forth and do that, as opposed to putting so much emphasis on the political stage and what this person says or that person says and, and disengage from that. And that's really what the new human film is about. It's disengaging from all the nonsense in the physical world and put the focus internally on yourself and regain your authentic self, your individual uh, power and sovereignty. And that's the message I would deliver too. And that's what the film's about. All right. Uh, Stan, what do you make of Hillary Clinton uh, saying that aliens may already be here? Okay. One, I believe that it makes sense to me with that, but I don't believe disclosure is going to come from her or whoever becomes president. I believe it's going to come from a whistleblower and they're going to have solid evidence that's going to leak out and, you know, no more cover-ups or things like that. That's going to be the catalyst for it, a whistleblower, somebody who is there now, somebody who's going to be retiring, somebody who's going to let, you know, that light, let it come out there and see what's going to happen. Yes, you wanted a time frame. Within two years, it's going to happen and then it's going to get so far so advanced that you know all the silly cover-ups they're not going to work uh, Landon give us a, a sense of uh, and I don't know if if you arrive at any sort of definitive conclusions about what this, this new earth is going to look like um, and whenever this happens this new consciousness and, and so forth but uh, will there be you know a lot of people get a little bit nervous when we throw around terms like one world government but or a global a global government is it going to look like that well there's many characteristics of what the new human and the new world is going to look like i mean it's going to be conflict free and there's going to be freedom there's going to be no separation of classes everyone's going to have the same rights develop in the ways that they need to develop there's going to be acceptance of diversity i mean you know, Planet Earth, I was talking to Tom Clearwater the other night, and he's like, you know, here on Planet Earth, we're solving one of the universe's greatest problems, which is the problem of diversity. 
and the moment, and he's right. In the moment, we can actually start to embrace each other. Is the moment we're going to make a quantum leap in our own evolution, and um, we'll be, you know, governing ourselves. What you, if you, what you described, one could argue, almost sounds like sort of the the idea, the ideal uh, that is, you know, the uh, the United States of America. You know, bring me your poor, bring me your huddled masses, the melting pot, freedom, uh, the um, you know the rights of the individual. Well, when you look at extraterrestrial cultures like the ones that I looked at in the last film and some in this film, they don't have a governing body. They're so advanced, they don't need a governing body, and they're so free in their own individuality, but it's in a positive way. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's incredible. That is human potential, and that's what I love to study is human potential. How far can we take ourselves in the positive direction? That's exciting. Indeed, it is. I believe in the, you know, I, I certainly believe in the, uh, you know, mankind is at his at its best when things are at their worst. Uh, and um, ingenuity, um, uh, individualism, absolutely unbridled individualism uh, can lead to some remarkable things. So, uh, again, if people want to see the film, uh, New Human, New Earth, New Humanity, they can go to DrAlana.com. And then what do they do from there, Dr. Lana? Um, well, there's a whole bunch of my movies on there, so they can pick which one. The New Humanity is on there. And um, just click the link, and it'll just take you to where you need to go. So that's Vimeo Movies on Demand. And then for the listeners of this program, they can, they can watch for free. And what's the password again? New Humanity. New Humanity. Excellent. Yeah, so for the first 10 people who want to check it out, enjoy it. All right. Dr. Lana Marconi, thank you for this. Thank you, Richard. Stan Mallow, I appreciate uh, you coming on the program. Great talking to you. Same here, Richard. All right. Thank you so much. New Human, New Earth, New Humanity. All right. Check it out, drlana.com. And uh, the first 10 who log in get to watch it for free, and the password is New Humanity. All right, when we come back, you, me, the telephone, talk radio and its best, open lines and, uh, you know, just about anything you want to discuss. I've got a few logs to throw on the fire. We'll talk, uh, hopefully, about um, uh, the recent and historic vote in Great Britain to leave the European Union. Uh, but there's a number of other items out there pressing, I'm sure, on your mind as well, and we'll get to that. Just a reminder... My Twitter feed, say hello on Twitter, at Richard Serrett, S as in Simon, Y-R-E-T-T, at Richard Serrett, and the website, strangeplanet.ca, strangeplanet.ca, and as always, follow the truth. Live from Toronto, Canada, Earth. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio. Well, thanks for inviting me into your home, your long-haul truck, your RV camper, taxi cab, that greasy spoon just off the interstate, and your cabin in the woods. A hello, how are you? Uh, For those of you listening to The Conspiracy Show on our flagship station, Zoomer Radio, AM 740 and 96.7 FM, here in the Liberty Village neighborhood of Toronto. Uh, hi to those of you tuning in to the uh, program on uh, one of our affiliates, uh, those catching the podcast on iTunes, TuneIn.com, uh, Stitcher Radio, and TalkZone.com. 
Uh, welcome to those of you who are uh, taking the uh, uh, conspiracy show with you on your mobile devices, your smartphones, your uh, your um, iPads and so forth through the Zoomer Radio and Conspiracy Show apps, which are both free downloads uh, from uh, Google Play and the Apple Store. So however and wherever you're listening, I bid thee the warmest of welcomes and I thank you for your fine company. Uh, Jamie is here doing yeoman's duty, filling in as the uh, technical producer for the vacationing Ian Robertson, who is actually enjoying uh, a holiday in the newly independent Great Britain. Uh, Albert, my intrepid story producer, is here running our HOA. And again, if you want to stream this radio program on YouTube, uh, just go to my Twitter feed, at Richard Serrett, at Richard Serrett. Go to the top or near the top of the feed and find the tweet containing the HOA link. And you just click on it and you're in and you're watching a radio program on YouTube. How cool is that? We are going to embark on um, a one-hour journey, open lines, one hour of open lines. That's just you, me, and the old telephony. Uh, let me give you the numbers right now because they're kind of handy. Uh, if you want to do open lines, you've got to have a number to call, and here they are. In the uh, greater Toronto area, 416-360-0740. 416-360-0740. That's uh, here in Toronto. 416-360-0740 and toll free from just about anywhere, 1-866-740-4740. Again, 866-740-4740. A lot's going on. Uh, and if you want to talk about um, the recent and historic Brexit vote, 52 to 48% of uh, Great Britons voted to leave the European Union. Uh, now, Jamie in the other room, can you hear me, Jamie? Do you have that uh, – we have a clip there of um, uh, Nigel Farage who is the uh, the leader of the United Kingdom Independent Party. And of course he was one of the – along with Boris Johnson, former mayor of London, uh, two of the sort of um, – the individuals who kind of spearheaded uh, the um, the vote to leave the European Union. In fact, this has been sort of Nigel Farage's whole – well, his raison d'etre. And if he's, he's also, of course, um, elected member of the European Parliament. Um, but here is Nigel Farage uh, shortly after the um, – it became apparent that the Leave vote won the day. Dare to dream that the dawn is breaking on an independent United Kingdom. If the predictions now are right, this will be a victory for real people, a victory for ordinary people, a victory for decent people. We have fought, we have fought against the multinationals, we fought against the big merchant banks, we fought against big politics, we fought against lies corruption and deceit and today honesty decency and belief in nation i think now is going to win that's uh, nigel farage from the united uh, kingdom independent party and apparently um the um the european union 
uh, and the commission and so far for, forth, uh, kind of taking a hard line now against Britain. And, and um, reports are that they've asked uh, the UKIP to leave the European Parliament. They're not even going to wait because this is going to be a long, protracted, uh, messy divorce, I think. It's going to take years. Um, I mean, the, the actual uh, agreement and, and series of, uh, well, just the rules and regulations. I mean, if you were to pile that paper up, it would be uh, you know, it probably stretch all the way to the top of Big Ben. It's, um, as I say, it's going to be an incredibly complicated process. Uh, shortly after the vote was announced, Conservative uh, Prime Minister David David Cameron, uh, of course, who was pushing for uh, Great Britain to remain in the European Union, uh, had this to say: "I will do everything I can as Prime Minister." to steady the ship over the coming weeks and months. But I do not think it would be right for me to try to be the captain that steers our country to its next destination. This is not a decision I've taken lightly, but I do believe it's in the national interest to have a period of stability and then the new leadership required. There is no need for a precise timetable today, but in my view, we should aim to have a new prime minister in place by the start of the Conservative Party conference in October. All right, so he is uh, resigning, likely uh, by the fall. Really, no choice but to fall on his sword. He did campaign for Great Britain to remain, and, uh, you know, he would... He'd be under tremendous pressure, obviously, if he tried to stay on. And I would would guess that someone like the former mayor of London, Boris Johnson... Uh, will probably seek the leadership, and I will, I'm going to go out on a limb and predict he will be the new prime minister. And uh, again, though, it's going to take a couple of years uh, for this uh, messy divorce to become reality. So if you want to talk about uh, this, what I see, is it's, it's, it's historic. It really is. And uh, I mentioned this earlier. This is going to be the beginning of the unraveling of the European Union. I, I believe that. And for my part, I think it's a positive. I really do. As Nigel Farage has pointed out, the European Union is not um, is not undemocratic. It's anti-democratic. Yes, you have a European Parliament and uh, Great Britain elected several UKIP members, including Nigel Farage, but that Parliament has no authority, no power to uh, to create legislation. Uh, to amend legislation, its only power is to simply uh, to rubber stamp uh, legislation. And uh, anyone in the EU, any member, uh, any citizen in the uh, the 28 member countries, now 27, I'm guessing would be very hard-pressed uh, to identify, A, who their elected um, European Parliament members are, but more importantly to identify any of the commissioners who are unelected uh, and to identify any of the four presidents. There are four presidents of the European Union. There's an endless list of uh, commissions. And, and uh, if you drive into Brussels and you're looking for the, uh, the headquarters of the European Union, good luck. There's something like ni- – they're scattered over 90 different uh, buildings within Brussels. It is – Kafkaesque in its scope, the way the European Union is run. There's nothing democratic about it. And so I, for one, this is just me 
talking, but I applaud what the um, the citizens of Great Britain, the 52% that voted to leave, to take back their sovereignty, to take back control of their monetary policy, fiscal policy, taxation, their borders. Because I believe in the nation state. I'm not a globalist. I'm not a one-worlder. Far from it. The nation state is the best. It's not perfect, but it's the best safeguard we have uh, to preserve our liberties, happiness, harmony. The nation state, not supranational bureaucrats. So I'm going to predict a fairly quickly. Now, when I say fairly quickly, I'm talking about over the course of the next five years. I think the European Union is done. Next up, possibly a country like Denmark, Holland. Those countries, or a lot of the citizens in those countries, they want out, and uh, they will be pressuring their leadership to hold an, a similar referendum. So England, or Great Britain rather, is the first over the wall, more quickly to follow. What you may find in the interim is the European Union breaking up in sort of a transitionary period into blocks. You'll have a northern block, Germany, perhaps uh, the Scandinavian countries, Belgium, and then you'll have a southern block. But it is inevitable, I believe, that the European Union will dissolve. And I think that's a good thing because I believe, again, in the nation state. All right. Uh, let's see. Who do we have on the line here, Jamie? I'm not... Uh, Michael. Michael. Welcome, Michael. Yes. Uh, good evening, Richard. I I guess a couple of things that uh, <clears throat> would concern me. Do you think uh, the common market... You know, a lot of these uh, people that are into the book of Revelation for years talk about some you know, third power, like uh, the United States of Europe. I wonder if there's any future, you know, for that kind of thing now, although you said that uh, the common market just might break up. So you're, you're talking about end of times prophecy and yeah. uh, the, um, the idea in prophecy that perhaps um, this, um, what is it called? They, they call them the... Uh, the, um, the beast. Yeah, the beast, which might be some might see the uh, the European Union as the beast, <laughs> uh, and if the European Union in fact does dissolve, well, there goes that prophecy. Yeah, yeah, it's an interesting point. Um, well, if that's the case, then obviously that's not the beast, is it? Uh, but that doesn't mean, for example, that uh, there may be some other sort of attempt to reorder. Um, uh, you know, for those who believe in in uh, end times prophecy. That as the European Union is dissolving, there may be an attempt to reorder it. Maybe uh, uh, other nations try to form another, a new trading block or a new political union along the lines of, let's say, the Holy Roman Empire, something like that. Uh, but the the entity now known as the European Union, headquartered in Brussels, I think is is doomed to failure. And I say, good riddance. Well, in a way, this in a way this is interesting because. It's not uh, Britain that voted against uh, 
the European Union. It's England, and I heard that Scotland and Wales and Northern Ireland want to remain. Uh, that's true. Uh, and the city of London, uh, the, the, the vast majority of uh, Londoners want to remain. And, and this is interesting to me. Now, Scotland, of course, back in 2014, they had their um, a referendum. They wanted to separate from the United Kingdom, and it was, um, it was about a 10-point spread. Uh, to remain. So 55-45 to remain. And some, of course, have claimed that there was a conspiracy and the vote was rigged. And uh, but I don't understand if if I'm a a citizen of Scotland, why would I want to then separate from the United Kingdom uh, in order to have a greater greater authority, for example, or greater say, greater independence, and then Throw my lot in with the European Union, which would take all of those those freedoms and, and powers away. It makes no sense to me. Well, that, that's why people are, people are talking about, uh, you know, maybe now uh, Scotland in five years from now, maybe Britain will fall apart now. Well, it's it's certainly possible. It's certainly possible. This is a countervailing force to globalism. It is... Uh, the rise again of the nation state and perhaps a rise of tribalism. So you may have a point there, Michael. Maybe we will see a disintegration uh, of the United Kingdom. But why quit the United Kingdom and then throw your lot in with the uh, the EU? Makes no sense to me. <laughs> yeah. Michael, thanks for the call. We'll uh, take a time out, come back and continue with open lines. If you want to talk Brexit, we can do that. And I have other uh, logs to throw on the fire. Oh, yes, I do. Stay with us. Question everything. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back to The Conspiracy Show. Richard Serrett with you. Open lines until, uh, well, until we dim the lights and say goodnight. And uh, that is in about 45 minutes from now. And, uh, well, we're talking about, among other things, and you can certainly, and I'll take this ship wherever you'd like, but we are, uh, of course, talking about the recent and historic uh, Brexit vote. Uh, the United Kingdom, Great Britain, voting by a margin of 52% to 48% to leave the European Union. 17 million uh, Britons said, we want out. And now there is a, a petition, an online petition, uh, that has gathered about a million votes, and the signatories want another referendum. Uh, I can assure you it's not going to happen. Not going to happen. I mean, a million uh, signatures compared to 17 million who said, we want out. Um, not going to happen. And the, the, the folks in Brussels, uh, the bureaucrats, um, are going to try and make an example of, of Great Britain in order to prevent other countries from following suit, getting over the wall. Uh, but there will be others. This is going to be um, – I mean this is the trend that I'm, I'm, I'm looking at and that is uh, – and I think this is a positive as someone who believes in the nation state. This is going to be a new rise of nationalism and a rejection of globalism, and this will have reverberations in the election in the United States because, uh, to my mind, the Democrats represent that old guard, uh, globalism. And I don't think that's going to go very well uh, for Hillary. I think, I think this could provide a, the impetus that um, the Republican nominee Donald Trump needs to go over the top and win the White House. What say you? 416-360-0740 and uh, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. 
Uh, remember, uh, President uh, Obama went to Great Britain before the vote, and uh, you know this is something that's sort of frowned upon, and 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 that is when a foreign leader goes to another country and tries to influence the outcome of a referendum or an election, and he warned Great Britain that if they were to vote to leave, he actually said this. Uh, that they could forget about any sort of, uh, you know, new trade deal with the United States. He said, and I'm paraphrasing, but essentially said, you will go back to the end of the queue, sort of using a British expression, the end of the line. And, uh, well, <laughs> that didn't play well, I can tell you that. All right, uh, Keith is in Rochester, New York, Rochester. Uh, welcome, Keith. Yes, I am American, and I fully agree with Britain leaving the EU uh, there, there are way too many bureaucracies and corruption in the world, and people are starting to take note of that. Uh, Mr. Trump noted correctly enough that this correlates with his own campaign here in the States. Conversely, Hillary uh, took a, uh, a more negative tone in, in so far as trying to frighten people and so far as saying that their investments would go down. And um, Obama uh, uh, is one of these globalists, and Hillary... Uh, until recently when uh, it was really presented to her that these big trade agreements are not good for both of our countries. But uh, we, we need to, um, even if you want to call it nationalism, we need to bring back the true nation state. Uh, I'll give you an example. Um, a Scottish guy who lives on uh, Trump's, along the edge of Trump's golf course there put out a Mexican flag, he said, in support of the Mexican people, but when I heard that, uh, I said to a couple of people, he, the Scottish guy um, does not live near our southern border. The Scots are not being invaded by uh, the Latinos who do not belong in our country. Well, wait a second. Now, be, I want you to make the distinction. We're talking. You're talking about illegal immigrants. Right, uh, uh, but uh, that's, what, the, that's what Trump is talking about. We're not talking about legal immigration, right? And it has nothing to do with the ethnicity of a particular group. Uh, uh, the, the, the Scottish guy was just trying to, uh, without understanding it, uh, Scotland is not having illegals uh, pouring across their uh, border. There, uh, Scotland, unfortunately, the Scots, and I do have Scottish heritage in me uh, on my mother's side. In fact, Keith is a a Scottish name. Uh, the, the, the Scots have gotten way too socialist, and uh, following on your comments, uh, it was uh, one woman there, uh, uh, her um, surname is Sturgeon, wanted to turn back the vote. Uh, I understand that uh, the Scots, uh, properly enough, want their own independence, but you're correct that they're not going to get anything by sticking in the EU. So, uh, if Scotland wants its independence, but uh, as socialist as the Scottish people have become, that they've got to see too that uh, a good nation state is important. And flying uh, that Mexican flag foolishly without knowing what we're going through here with this invasion of the illegals. Uh, people are my closing remark: the people around the world should not damn us Americans who are really concerned about uh, language, culture, and borders. We have every right to protect our sovereign nation. Everyone should know uh, very hip hypocritically, Obama uh, ordered the fence around the White House to be heightened because of all of these fence jumpers. So uh, the ruling class, they get to have their uh, borders and boundaries and their armed security guards. 
but the rest of us have to go without. And people are starting to wake up to the hypocrisy of the ruling class, and hopefully Trump can um, bring all of this together. He's had a bad last month, and Hillary has gained in the polls, but uh, the Donald has got to bring it together and put aside that gigantic ego. And uh, we Americans want to be friends with everyone, and uh, I understand when you say, uh, Keith, that's not... Uh, 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 legal immigration, you're correct on that, but we get mighty angry. Uh, let me just say in closing, what would Canadians think if a lot of us Americans, almost like during the Vietnam War with the draft dodgers coming up into Canada, I don't think Canadians liked it back then with all the Americans coming north of the border. If you look at it that way, every country in the world should, should be uh, must be allowed to control its own, own borders. Well, of course. You cannot have a country without uh, borders. And again, I am not a one-worlder. Uh, I believe in the nation-state, and you can't have a country without uh, you know rules, regulations, and the enforcement of law. And, you, and uh, people who come in have to do it legally. I don't buy into this no-one-is-illegal nonsense. Uh, that's a huge organization. and, and uh, But you, you cannot do that and, and still have a country. Now, I, I want to... Uh, thanks for the call, Keith. I want to mention something, too, about uh, you mentioned Scotland and, and becoming increasingly socialist. And this was a disturbing report to me um, that uh, came out several months ago. And that is the Scot- uh, the, uh, the government in Scotland uh, appointing a, a state-appointed nanny for every family. State-appointed nanny for every family. Um, all right. I'm not sure what uh, Jamie uh, is pointing down to her. Okay. Yes, we lost Keith. But we have another caller. We have another caller there. All right. Anna. Anna, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. Hi, Richard. Hi there. I love your show. Thank you. I've listened forever. Um, I just wanted to ask you, you used to have a guest on um, whose name was Niels Hamron, I believe. Niels Hamron, yes. You haven't had him on in a really long time. I don't know if if, um, you still have contact with him. I always found him really interesting and, and considering these sort of tumultuous times we're living in, he'd seem like an ideal guest if he would still, if you'd be, if you still have contact with him. I do. Uh, I get a, I get a a Christmas card from uh, Nils and you're right. It has been a while. Nils, now Nils is getting up there. He's up in his eighties, but he's still pretty spry and and still pretty sharp. And uh, that's a great point. It's time to bring Nils Hamron from End Times Press down in, uh, in New Jersey, back on the program. And, and what better time? Let's, I'll get Albert, my uh, intrepid story producer, on that, and we will we'll try to get Nils Hamron uh, back on the program, perhaps you know towards the end of July or early August. Anna, thank, thank you for that. Thank you, and you're excellent on coast to coast too. You're, right. You you do us a, um, a great turn by doing so well on that show as well. So I appreciate thank you for, that. Thank you for being so good. Thank you so much, Anna. All right then. Bye. All right. Bye bye. All right. Um, I mentioned Nigel Farage, and I got you know. Uh, I have a bias, obviously. <laughs> I'm, I'm relating that to you now, and I'm, uh, these are my opinions. But Nigel Farage, to me, is uh, kind of a political hero of mine. And um, again, his whole raison d'etre was to get to this point in history, to get Great Britain out of the European Union. And he was elected to the European Parliament. But all he does in the European Parliament, basically, is berate the European parliamentary uh, president and um, here's a wonderful uh, clip. This, to me, is one of the most inspirational moments in political history. This is Nigel Farage basically calling out the European Parliamentary President. Let's have a listen. You have the charisma of a damp rag and the appearance of a low-grade bank clerk. 
And the question that I want to ask, the question that I want to ask, that we're all going to ask, is who are you? I'd never heard of you. Nobody in Europe had ever heard of you. I would like to ask you, President, who voted for you? And what mechanism? Oh, I know democracy is not popular with you lot. And what mechanism do the peoples of Europe have to remove you? Is this European democracy? Well, I I sense, Uh, I sense, though, that you're competent and capable and dangerous. And I have no doubt that it's your intention to be the quiet assassin of European democracy and of the European nation-states. You appear to have a loathing for the very concept of the existence of nation-states. Perhaps that's because you come from Belgium, which of course is pretty much a non-country. But since you took over, we've seen Greece reduced to nothing more than a protectorate. Sir, you have no legitimacy in this job at all, and I can say with confidence that I can speak on behalf of the majority of the British people in saying we don't know you, we don't want you, and the sooner you're put out to grass, the better. There's Nigel Farage. Now what is he going to do? I don't know. He could, uh, I suppose, just retire, maybe open up a pub in, uh, in, in England because his, um, his mission has been uh, pretty much fulfilled and uh, Great Britain has voted to leave the European Union. 416-360-0740 and 1-866-740-4740. Uh, what do you make of the, uh, the Brexit vote? Do you think Great Britain has done itself a service by leaving the European Union. This is going to be, again, a a long and messy divorce. It's going to be incredibly complicated. It could take years. Um, However, I suspect the European Union uh, would like to make a quick break of it, and they would like to make a lesson. They would like to take Great Britain and uh, sort of turn them into an object lesson for all those other countries that are thinking about holding a referendum and, and leaving as well. Uh, But I think it's all for naught. It's uh, the old saying, they'll be shoveling sand against the tide because the new trend, I believe, and I'm hopeful for, is the rise again of the nation state and uh, a rejection of globalism. And uh, we know, for example, uh, that um, uh, in in Denmark, in Denmark, people are are clamoring for a referendum. They want out. And the the uh, governing party in Denmark is uh, – they want to remain, but they are under tremendous pressure in parliament from uh, opposition parties who will be campaigning on a, uh, a leave the EU platform. And uh, this movement, of course, also exists in, uh, in Italy uh, with a, uh, a populist uprising there, a populist party known as Five Star, uh, which is led by – I believe he's a former stand-up comedian. His name is Beppe Grillo. And uh, Five Star in Italy um, swept a number of municipal elections recently. So the Five Star Party is on the rise. And uh, again, uh, they are rallying uh, the people and they want to hold a referendum. Can you imagine the European Union without Italy, which is, you know, uh, along with Germany, one of the great industrial powers? So if Italy leaves, if Denmark were to leave, there's also in, uh, in Sweden... There's an ultranationalist party there that wants out in Finland, Hungary. The list goes on. So um, this vote by Great Britain is the first of many to come, I'm predicting.
the rise of nationalism, nationalism, the rejection of globalism. If you want to weigh in on that, we, we, uh, we can do that as well. I want to toss something else onto the fire if um, you're interested in this because it has to do with what I feel strongly is it's an existential threat. Uh, to Western liberal democracy and our and our very civilization, and I don't believe I'm exaggerating here at all. It has to do uh, with it what is happening in our colleges and universities. Now, this particular incident uh, happened at the University of Northern Colorado, uh, and I just want to read to you from a report in the um, uh, the Washington Examiner. It's about uh, two professors. We're coming up on a break, so I'll, I'll just sort of give you the headline now, and then we'll continue this after. But I don't, know, I don't know if you've heard this story, but there are two professors at the University of Northern Colorado, and they are being investigated by, um, um, well, it's the university's bias response team. They have these things now in universities. It's called a bias response team. And these two professors at the University of Northern Colorado being investigated uh, because students complained, now get this, they were forced to hear opposing viewpoints. Can you imagine the temerity of a college professor to teach and offer up a different viewpoint? So in comes the bias response team. This Orwellian office on campus that asks students to report their peers and professors for anything, anything at all that upsets or offends them. Well, this is not an isolated incident, I can tell you. And universities and colleges where you're sending your children, they are being indoctrinated. And these institutions are churning out students en masse with this mindset. And this has the the very grave potential, a very grave threat uh, to remake our civilization. Not a good thing. We'll uh, discuss when we come back. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Open lines. Come on board. Don't be afraid of the dark. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. To talk to Richard, call 416-360-0740 or toll free. 1-866-740-4740. Welcome back, and it is open lines until the top of the hour. Now, uh, we were talking Brexit, Great Britain's recent and historic vote to leave the uh, European Union by uh, 52 to 48%. You can talk about that, weigh in on that if, you, uh, if you'd like. We make the phone lines available to you. Um, my my prediction here is that we are entering into a new era, and that is once again the the rejection of globalism and the the rise once again of the nation state. Uh, the other thing that I'd like to talk about has to do with they're called bias response teams, and um, let me read again here from the uh, the Washington Examiner, uh, and I believe that this mindset that is being incubated in colleges and universities throughout North America represents an existential threat to Western liberal democracy. Uh, two professors at the University of Northern Colorado were investigated after students complained they were forced to hear opposing viewpoints. Oh, the horror. Uh, the complaints were made to Northern Colorado's bias response team, an Orwellian office on campus that asks students to report their peers and professors for anything that upsets or offends them. 
When the news outlet Heat Street made an open records request for some of the complaints, it discovered that two students had become so upset after hearing an opinion they disagreed with, they filed reports with school administrators. And rather than telling the students to buck up because they might hear those opinions outside of colleges or on the news or in the media, the school told the professors to stop teaching that there's an alternative viewpoint. Let me, let me repeat that. This bias response team and the university administration instructed the professors to stop teaching that there's an alternative viewpoint, an alternate viewpoint. In other words, they're being muzzled. One professor instructed his students to read an article from The Atlantic written by Foundation for Individual Rights in Education's president, uh, Greg Lukianoff, and social psychologist Jonathan Haidt, titled The Coddling of the American Mind. The article explains that allowing students to hide from controversial and upsetting ideas like through the use of safe spaces or trigger warnings, actually harms those students by not allowing them to confront those opinions. After reading the article, the professor asked his students to address controversial topics such as abortion, global warming, a gay marriage, transgenderism. The professor made no indication as to what his opinion on the matter was, but one student who identifies, um, or one student was upset that the professor even referenced the opinion of these controversial topics. Instead of learning how to confront this opinion or these opinions and be able to adequately teach someone how they are wrong to believe that, the student felt they shouldn't have had to hear it in the first place. Isn't this what college and university is all about? Being exposed to alternative viewpoints? Isn't university and college about challenging students to develop critical thinking skills, to debate? Does this mean there's no more debating in college and universities? The end of the debating team. Again, in this case, the professor wasn't expressing his own opinion. He was asking students to consider alternate opinions and to utilize critical thinking. A member of the bias response team advised the professor not to revisit these issues in his classroom, if possible, to avoid the students' expressed concerns. He was also told to avoid stating opinions, his or those of other authors, on these topics, as he had previously uh, been working from the Atlantic article. So this is what America's colleges are becoming. But it's not just America's colleges. It's also Canadian universities and colleges. You've probably heard a term called microaggression, where students feel that if they are, um, their viewpoint, their worldview is being challenged, they claim microaggression. They want to be shielded from viewpoints they don't agree with. Can you imagine what's going to happen with these graduates when they get out into the real world? This is absolutely uh, shocking uh, to me and frightening because I believe uh, that these graduates flooding the workplace, taking their place in places of authority, positions of authority and institutions. How tolerant do you think they're going to be of differing viewpoints? And I can tell you, these uh, graduates are 
essentially, liberal progressives, left-wing. If you have a conservative viewpoint, it will not be tolerated. And this represents an existential threat to democracy. Now, uh, lest you think that uh, this is something isolated to North, Col- uh, North uh, Colorado University, colleges across America are, the, are creating these shadowy groups called bias response teams to handle these complaints. Um, at Emory University, which is in Atlanta, uh, this happened earlier this year, someone wrote on a sidewalk, they scrawled in chalk, Trump 2016, so expressing their support for uh, Donald Trump. So they scrawled Trump 2016 on the sidewalk in chalk. What happened as a result, some 40 students met with the uh, university president, James Wagner, to express their, quote, fear and frustration, insisting that Trump's platform and his values undermine Emory's values of diversity and inclusivity. Wagner reassured the students the university would review the footage from security cameras to identify the culprit. The culprit? The person expressing freedom of expression, freedom of thought? He's a culprit or she's a culprit? If they're students, Wagner said, they will go through the conduct violation process. Doesn't that sound something like from 1984? They will go to the conduct violation process. Sounds like a re-education camp. Frightening. We can discuss that when we come back. The Conspiracy Show, Open Lines. My name is Richard Serrett. When you look at the sky, ever wonder if someone's looking back? This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. To speak with Richard live, call 416-360-0740 or toll free at 1-866-740-4740. Welcome back. Open lines uh, for the next 15 minutes until we dim the lights and say goodbye. And, uh, well, we've got a couple of uh, topics on the go. We can talk about uh, Brexit and uh, what I see is uh, sort of the first salvo in the, uh, well, what will ultimately be the dissolution of the European Union. And um, you can weigh in on that. Do you think that's a, a, a force for good or a force for or a negative uh, thing? The, uh, the fact that the Great, the Great Britain has voted to leave the European Union although it will be a protracted divorce and a messy one, I'm guessing. Uh, we, I'm also talking about the rise of um, these shadowy groups on college and university campuses. They're called bias response teams. And uh, the idea is that um, uh, students are encouraged to report um, biases or, well, that's sort of ostensibly the purpose, but it's what, what it amounts to is anyone who offends the sensibility of a student. It could even include offering an alternate viewpoint. You know, democracy, the exchange of ideas, freedom of expression, that could, that could raise the ire of the administration and these bias response teams. And again, it's not unique to Northern Colorado or Emory. Uh, where somebody, perhaps a student, had the temerity to exercise uh, their their First Amendment rights and scrawl Trump 2016 in chalk on a sidewalk. 
40 students met with the, uh, the, the president in Emory, which is in Atlanta, and uh, demanded that they check the security cameras to identify the culprit. And then that culprit will have to go through something called the conduct violation process. And uh, the, the president emphasized the school would make immediate refinements to the procedural deficiencies of its bias, incident, and response process. And again, not unique to Emory, more than 100 colleges and universities have bias response teams which aim to foster, quote, a safe and inclusive environment. Well, inclusive, except if you have a differing viewpoint. That is, in other words, we tolerate everything but people who disagree with us. How Kafkaesque, how Orwellian, how uh, cynical is that? These teams have multiple missions, including educational prevention, investigating alleged bias incidents, disciplining offenders, and organizing coping events after such incidents. So I suppose a student who sees Trump 2016 scrawled across the sidewalk in chalk um, was traumatized, and they need a coping, some sort of a coping event. Uh, they need a hug because they've been, they've been frightened by, by Trump 2016. All right, who do we have on the lines, Jamie? Melanie's in Toronto. Welcome to The Conspiracy Show, Melanie. Hi, Melanie, are you there? Melanie, going once, twice. Let's put Melanie back on hold and see if we can reestablish uh, contact. Um, anyway, those are two things that we can discuss, but we can you can take it just about anywhere. If you want to um, move away from uh, this this discussion and talk about uh, the paranormal, uh, UFOs, I um, spent part of the weekend in Brantford, my hometown, at the Alien Cosmic Expo, moderating a, uh, a panel called the Canadian National UFO Inquiry, uh, featuring seven, well, just the creme de la creme, seven real heavyweights. Uh, including uh, Travis Walton, of course, one of the most celebrated alien abductees, uh, Richard Dolan, historian, the Honorable Paul Hellyer, Stephen Bassett, Nick Pope, Grant Cameron, and uh, Stanton Friedman. And uh, they squared off against a, uh, a panel of uh, journalists and academics. And uh, it was a, a very nuanced, sophisticated discussion and um, revolving around, you know, the best evidence for uh, UFO incursions into um, – uh, into um, our skies, and also the uh, the nature of uh, disclosure, how soon will it come, and so forth. Uh, and I believe that uh, the Alien Cosmic Expo, they are going to produce a film, and uh, that'll be released at some point. So if you missed it, um, look for that soon. We'll, uh, we'll give you details. There's going to be a sizzle reel uh, produced, I believe, from the Alien Cosmic Expo. But if you were there, if you want to comment on, on what you may have heard, Either at the uh, the UFO inquiry, or if you attended one of the uh, the uh, speakers' events, love to hear from you. I understand I missed this, but Stephen Bassett on uh, well earlier today was uh, to lay out his best case as to why he believes disclosure will happen within 2016 before President Barack Obama leaves office. Didn't get a chance to hear that, but if you did, would love to hear from you. Four one six three six zero. 0740 and toll free from just about anywhere 866-740-4740. Now I just want to continue on uh, while we're waiting for a, a phone call here. Um, 
just to remember or just to uh, to continue on with this uh, report on these bias response teams. And uh, this is coming from um, an article. It's The New Republic. It's written by uh, Jeffrey Aaron Snyder and Amna Khalid. And uh, these, as I say, these BRTs, as they're called, bias response teams, rapidly becoming part of the institutional machinery of higher education. But they've yet to face any real scrutiny. As uh, Carleton College faculty members committed to rigorous studies in the liberal arts disciplines and the vitality of diverse campus communities, we believe that the proliferation of BRTs is a grave mistake. They degrade education by encouraging silence instead of dialogue, the fragmentation of campuses into groups of like-minded people, and the deliberate avoidance of many of the most important and controversial topics. That's precisely the point. They are inherently anti-intellectual enterprises, fundamentally at odds with the mission of higher education, and ultimately, they will undermine a bedrock principle of the modern university that more diversity leads to better learning. All right. Uh, I understand Melanie is back. Melanie, welcome back to the program. Yes, good evening, Richard. Hi there. Hi. Talk to you on a different topic about UFO. You want to talk UFOs? Wonderful. Okay. Yeah. I was wondering, because in uh, about a month's time, in August, there will be 25th uh, anniversary in, of the UFO landing in Carp, Ontario. So I was wondering if you'll be doing a special show about that and maybe invite some interview, you know, interview some people that, you know, <clears throat> did the film, the recording of the of the landing. That's a great idea. Now, those not in the know, the Carp Guardian case uh, happened, yeah. up in, ha- happened up in uh, Ottawa. Very yeah. celebrated uh, uh, case. And there are, there's lots of video on YouTube uh, that, yes. uh, that su- supposedly shows yeah. a UFO landing. Yeah. Uh, and um, the um, the story supposedly involves you know members of the U.S. military that came up yes. to uh, to investigate and so forth. Some have claimed that it's a complete uh, fabrication and a, and a fraud and a hoax. What do you think, Melanie? I looked very closely at the video uh, in in a little tiny segments, uh, and also I took screenshots of the film. And yes. It is. It is a UFO. You think so? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm undecided on that particular case. I mean, I've looked at the video, and it could be just about anything. Um, well, <clears throat> it's it, it the, the way it structures and how it changes shape. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe you could, uh, Melanie, do me a favor. If if you yeah. have a particularly good. A clip that you could share with me if you want to send me the link and I'll have a look at it because maybe we're not looking at the same, you know, the same uh-huh. thing. The problem is, of course, now, you know, virtually any photographic or video evidence uh, is almost has to be sort of thrown out. I mean, this the, the level of technology in terms of Photoshop yeah. and, and the, the ability to manipulate video and so forth. Uh, it's it's very difficult now to to figure out what's Credible video footage or photographic evidence, and what is not. However, send me a link, and I'd like to see okay. what you're looking at. And uh, okay, but who knows? Uh, um, uh, Richard, which, yes. which uh, email you have now? Um, here, the, here, let me do this. Let me give you um, Strange Planet Productions Inc. I know it's long. Strange okay. Strange Planet Productions Inc. at gmail dot com. At gmail. Okay. Yeah. Did you get okay, that? Okay, I will. All yes. right. Yeah. Send me that link. I'll have a look at it. Okay, awesome. Thank, Thank you. you, Melanie. Thank you. Bye. All right, bye-bye. All right, uh, Jamie, who do we have next? Because my call screener is not working. 
Pedro. Pedro, how are you? Welcome. How you doing, Richard? Love the show. Where are you calling from? Los Angeles. Los Angeles. And how are you uh, hearing us? On the uh, the app or? Yeah, I was hearing on YouTube. I'm actually a blind user. And oh, I excellent. Your show, you know? you're, you're, on, you're joining us on the Hangout on Air. You're streaming us live yes, on YouTube. Yes. Wonderful, it's more, Pedro. It's, it's more easier for me. Terrific. Well, welcome. Yeah, I wanted to talk about uh, the university thing. Yes, these oh, bias that's response that's teams, right. Yes, that will happen and continue. And years from now, when they're out of society and somebody comes to them with an alternate view, they're just going to dismiss it and, ru- and brush it under a carpet, and it's going to be wrong for everybody, you know? Well, m- my fear is that they're not, they're not only going to dismiss it or ignore it, uh, they're not prepared to to deal with it and their their, re- their reaction to it um, might be a little more aggressive than that. See, what's going on now, there is a, you know, people of a certain age will remember the, uh, the, um, the McCarthy era in the 1950s when Senator Joe McCarthy of Wisconsin uh, was trying to root out uh, communists. He saw communists under every bed and, and um, you know, they were holding these witch trials and and a uh, particular uh, group of people that were targeted were, for example, writers uh, in in Hollywood. Many of them had socialist leanings, and uh, yes. a lot of them were blacklisted and denied the right. And that was a horrible chapter in in American history. But the same thing is happening now. But the, you know, there's the old saying: the tyrant or the slave becomes the tyrant. Well, now we are entering into a new era of McCarthyism, but this time it is the liberal progressives who are blacklisting conservatives. Uh, for example, you if, you, if you come there out, you're you in... moved on to a different group. Right. If you're, a, you're in Los Angeles. Now, in, in Hollywood, for example, uh, if, if you happen to be conservative and express your conservative views, you could be blacklisted. In other words, denied the right to work in Hollywood. And there's a case of a, a, an African-American actress named Stacey Dash. Um, and I think she was in the movie Clueless. Um, anyway, she has written a book uh, called There Goes My Social Life, and it's, I think it's from, from Clueless to Conservative. So she's espousing, espousing her, her conservative views, and um, she's not worked in a year and a half. Her agent fired her, and um, she was told to her face that it's because she is a conservative. So, and this is not an isolated incident. And we cannot move as, as one, as humans, as earlier in the, in the, in the show, as the young lady was saying, we need to move as, as higher beings and think and have open minds. If we're closing ourselves to one narrative, it's going to be hard to do that. Well, you're absolutely right, Pedro. Um, what is going on right now is, is frightening. And, and a lot of the... Uh, a lot of these, uh, you know, people, they, they call themselves social justice warriors. The problem is social justice could mean one thing to one person and something else to somebody else. To me, it's a very kind of squishy term, social justice warrior. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If, yes, it's, it's like it's, it's, it gives you different roles, different ways you could take a turn. Right, but my experience with the term right now, my experience with social justice warriors means that they tolerate everything except a differing viewpoint, and if they can silence you, they will use whatever means at their disposal. And that represents, as I said, an existential threat 
uh, to Western liberal democracy and our civilization. Pedro, thanks for checking in from Los Angeles. Have a good evening. All right, my thanks to Jamie, Albert, Jonathan Franz. Back next week with a brand new program. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light. What I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Good night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.